All right, where were we? Well, we're about to get ready. All right, let's do it. Is this episode 63? That's what I got down. It better be. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. How you doing today, Pat? I'm here. It's about all I got today. Been a busy day. Uh, it has been a, been a long day. We're dragged. Yeah, definitely did. Anyways, 63, episode number 63. What do you got for 63? Absolutely nothing. I don't got shit for 63. I can't think of anything for 63. Uh, 63 was the year that Kennedy got assassinated, unfortunately. Anyways. What do you got in news stories today, Pat? Well, I got two. You probably got both of these. How many do you have today? I have three. Okay. You want to go ahead and get started with this one, then? Sure. I can guarantee you we have at least one of the same. You have the ostrich? I do not. Ooh, there's an ostrich? Okay. Perfect. This is from our favorite, Odd News. Awesome. More than 80 escaped ostriches run loose through Chinese city. (laughs) (laughs) This is from January 10th. Drivers in a Chinese city captured video when they came upon an unusual traffic hazard. A flock of more than 80 ostriches racing through the streets late at night. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Videos captured early Saturday morning in Chongzuo City, Guangzhou, Zhuang, Autonomous Region. I murdered all that. For sure it's Guangzhou. I have no idea. I feel like we've talked shit. about the city before. Probably. <laughs> they like seem have. to have a lot of animal problems. <laughs> so dozens of large flightless birds running through urban roads. Local police said the ostriches escaped from a local farm through a gate that, that have been left unlocked. Police said most of the ostriches were rounded up and returned to the farm. No injuries were reported from the ostriches time being loose okay hold on a minute here most of the ostriches they didn't get all of them and how exactly did they round all these up i want to know what how the hell they did this. ostriches that's a lot because we had one emu and it took a lot of cops it, it took that it took those cops cart, all day remember all day to get the one he's <laughs> These are bigger, they're faster, and there's they're 80 of them. More aggressive. I mean, there's 80 of them. And they rounded them up. But they only got most of them. What happened to the other ones? I can guarantee you some of them are now roasting in someone's oven or in a bathtub somewhere. Probably. Unbelievable. Because ostrich, that would be a good meal. I feel like that would be... Would it? That would be good eating. A little ostrich sandwich? Yeah, have you ever seen those when they've like cooked an ostrich? It's like a ridiculous. I've huge. seen the eggs. You haven't seen like... You know how the Thanksgiving turkey is the same thing, but an ostrich? Just like the size of a... I don't think I've ever seen that. You haven't seen that type of thing before? <laughs> no. It's like, it's like imagine like the size of a human, but a turkey. Jesus That's what Christ. it looks like. It's ridiculous. I don't know about all that. Anyways, is that all you got with that one? That's all I got with that one. Okay, my first... Well, both of my news stories are dumb, but this one's about as dumb as it gets. And this one's going to come from newshub.co.nz, which I'm assuming is New Zealand NZ. Okay. This one reads, Reptile, hailed as world's first four-legged snake turns out to just be a lizard. <laughs> a study published in 2015 claimed a 120-million-year-old fossil discovered in Brazil, dubbed Tetrapodophis amplectus, Greek for four-legged serpent, was the first snake to have more than two limbs. <laughs> Other early f- snake fossils had only two. So apparently there have been snakes with two arms, or legs, or whatever, probably arms. But, so a two-legged lizard, basically? Well, no, this is a snake. Well, apparently it's not, it's a lizard. Yeah, so they're just talking about two-legged lizards. Yes, but they're apparently they're classified as snakes because of something. I don't know. 
but scientists in Canada said they doubted the findings from the start. So did their own study of the fossil, the University of Toronto said in a re release this week. I was so upset about this kind of poor science making it into a top journal in the sciences, said biology professor Robert Reese. Soon after the original publication, we secured access to the specimen by raising hell, and then we were able to study it. And we basically went and did our own detective work properly and came up with a much more plausible alternative explanation that this is not a snake, but a little lizard. For a start, its skull is more lizard-like than snake-like, whatever that means, lacking the ability to separate bones to swallow prey whole. Its teeth were also more like those of a lizard's than a snake, the latter having curved incisors to stop prey from escaping. Another red flag for Dr. Reese is that the specimen was obtained illegally. <laughs> Brazil has a ban on yeah. exporting fossils, but it was purchased by a private collector who made it available to researchers in the UK, who made the grand claim it was a legged snake. It was quite unethical. There are laws in place now to protect these national treasures, and we should respect those and work within the system rather than be tempted by the attraction of an exciting fossil you get through unethical means. Now, the article goes on a little bit, but... What, in the what is actually going on here? <laughs> well, I have no idea. <laughs> This so is, this is ridiculous. They ran this study. It got published in the top journal, claiming this is a four-legged <laughs> snake. Where is this again? Brazil. This the study was done in the UK, but the fossil came from Brazil. Jesus. As I want to figure out, how the hell do they land on this? <laughs> like, where is the journalist like questioning this this finding? This was published. Apparently, this was published in 2015, and it took until now for them to determine. <laughs> Jesus, God almighty. Think, think about this, though. They were like, what do we got here, Bob? Oh, we got this. It looks like a fossil lizard. Or it could be a four-legged <laughs> snake. Literally. We're going to go with this one. It's pretty much it's unbelievable. Is what they did. And it got published. This, this shows that you can't take these journals seriously. This got published in top scientific journals. There's no, there's no standard. There is no journal, journal, journalism is, is dead. It definitely journalism. is. And apparently scientific journalism <laughs> is, isn't much better. It's definitely dead. So four-legged lizard or four-legged snake is just a lizard. That's hilarious. Know. That's dumb. Anyways, that's all I got for that one. That's hilarious. I got another one from Odd News. Our favorite. Rare fish found in Ohio waters for the first time since 1939. You know what? I saw this one. I didn't do it, though. Wildlife officials in Ohio said a rare fish believed to have been extinct in the state has been found in local waters for the first time since 1939. The Ohio Division of Wildlife said in a Facebook post that two longhead darters were caught by fish management crews conducting electrofishing bass surveys in the Ohio River, marking the first time in the marking the first time the species has been documented in Ohio for more than 80 years. The striking creature, native to Ohio, was thought to be extinct from the state. The post said, using the term that means low locally extinct, extirpated. Fortunately, for the longhead darter, and for those of us concerned, this species is not extirpated, extirpated in the Buckeye State, the division wrote. New York State Department of Environmental Conservation website states there is little historical information on longhead darter populations in the United States. Throughout its range, the fish is uncommon, and the American Fisheries Society lists the longhead darter as threatened in all states where it occurs, the website says. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. It's always interesting to see an animal kind of pop up. Right. Where it might not otherwise be considered. Our own home state of Ohio. 
Ohio. Yes, definitely. How cool. And you see that in different situations where people are diff- interested in certain animals and they, they try to like keep a really defined range on them. Right. Like my uncle is all on the, all the animals and wildlife and shit. And he was out of the popular bird watching area. And I guess there's two species of birds. One's native to Ohio. One isn't native to the area. And they look very similar. Now he claims that he saw the one that wasn't native, but he wasn't sure about it, even though it could have easily just been the one that's native to Ohio. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't close enough to actually make the determination but he was out bird watching and he found some other guy that was that's a bird watcher that's like in charge of like or was at the time in charge of like the bird watching association or something that's hilarious so my uncle was like hey you know i saw this bird now it could have been this out-of-state one but i'm not sure and they got into a huge debate over the classification of the bird and my like this guy was like well if you saw this if you saw this your first phone call should have been to us he should have been you should have been reporting this like why were you not reporting this if this is what you actually saw we could have sent an investigator out some serious and I'm shit. sitting there listening to the, my, the breakdown of this. And I'm just like, I would love to be like a bird in the tree listening to this conversation <laughs> go down. <laughs> because it was just so ridiculous all over bird classification. You know, bird bird watching is like a legit thing out here in our area. Yeah, Pe- it, people from come from all over the world to, to, to bird watch at certain times of the year here. It definitely is. And apparently they got to come for the fish too because we've got Man, no shit. these little dart fish coming in. <laughs> I think it's pretty cool. Definitely. Every once in a while you'll see a cool story like that where... Right. Official pop up. So that's part of why I want to start going fishing. Definitely. We never know that shit. Never know what we're going to catch. So, anyways, that's a great news story. That was uh, UPI Odd News. Oh, yeah. My next one comes from our favorite UPI Odd News. All right. Sea lion rescued from San Diego Highway. Miles from ocean, police and animal rescuers responded to a San Diego highway where a sea lion was spotted attempting to cross the road several miles from the nearest shoreline. The California Highway Patrol said 911 dispatchers started receiving calls around 9.40 a.m. Friday about a sea lion attempting to cross Route 94 near Route 15. The CHP, California Highway Patrol, sure, said several cars stopped in the roadway and bystanders directed traffic to allow the sea lion to cross to the center divide. <laughs> of all the things that you could see now i know it's san diego but still a sea lion and they said several miles yes chp officers arrived on scene and kept the animal safe from traffic while awaiting a rescue team from sea world <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's a rescue team but... well that's the best they had <laughs> okay. because again you're faced with a situation where you don't know what to do you got to start making phone calls. You got to find right. somebody. You got to find someone. Someone's like, call SeaWorld. That's a great idea. Let's do it. It's literally how that whole thing transpired. Unreal. Because there is, there's nothing in the manual, the cop manual that says. Yeah, the cops can't do Here's what you do when a, sea sea, when a sea lion's in the highway, especially where, where this is located. I've said it before. I'd hate to be a cop. Yeah, you got to deal with some <laughs> weird ass shit. Jenny Smith, a supervisor with a rescue program at SeaWorld San Diego, said the sea lion was several miles from the ocean. She said it is rare to see such an animal so far from the water. We got in our truck immediately and rushed down to ensure that the sea lion wasn't hit by a car. So they were ready. <laughs> they were like on standby waiting for this type They're of like, thing. You know, we've been waiting for this type of shit for a while now. Smith told the San Diego Tribune, being on the freeway is very, very unsafe for a sea lion. <laughs> 
Smith said rescuers aren't sure how the sea lion ended up on the highway, but they believe it may have been the same animal spotted elsewhere recently. It does fit the description of an animal we've gotten calls, we've gotten reports about that he's been in some precarious areas, but they've all been next to the water. Smith said the sea lion was being taken to SeaWorld for examination and rehabilitation for an eventual release. This has happened a few times before, but never, as far as I know, never this far inland, Smith said. I feel like some just crazy Californian, like, put it in the back of its truck and then started driving and then it fell out and didn't go back for it. It could have been. <laughs> now, what I think is going to be funny is I feel like they're going to rehabilitate, they're going to release it, and in six months, we're going to forget about this new story and we're going to run it again because it's going to be the same sea line doing the same thing. 100%, yep. That's what I think is going to happen. So I, I saw that one was kind of funny. That's hilarious. Sea lions running rampant inland. Now, there's nothing to say that they can't get out there. I mean, they're, they're mammals. Yeah, I'm sure. They don't have to be in the water. Now, obviously, they do a lot better in the water. Sure. They can't really fight on land too well. Like, I wonder how long it was out of the water. Several miles. I mean, they don't, they don't, they don't exactly have, <laughs> have legs. <laughs> they just kind of like flapping <laughs> over several miles. I mean, what if it was just moving nonstop? Didn't even take a break. Like, how do they move? They got like flippers, but they're just kind of flapping their way through, aren't they? I feel like they kind of like, you Un- know. Undulate. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, who are you taking in a fight, real quick? A sea lion or a coyote? Ooh. On land? I feel like a coyote wins that all day. Yeah, 100%. I don't know how, I don't know how thick the, the hide of a sea lion is. I can't, I can't see a sea lion being extremely quick, either. No. With, a, with reflexes. A, a walrus would be a different story. Yeah, they're a little more aggressive. See, like, a walrus is kind of like the evolved form. The seal is kind of like the middle. And the sea, or the, the little one, and the sea lion is kind of the middle. Sure. So, anyways. Yeah, that's hilarious. Uh, that's all I got with that one. That's kind of a dumb news story, but... And that's all I've got for news, so... I have one more. It's quick. Uh, tell me if we've done this already. Uh-oh. This is from Outsider.com. Kent State, offensive lineman. Pukes on field, gets penalized for false start. <laughs> no, we haven't done this one before. This is, this is a little older, but I saved it a while ago. and I never used it, I, but I couldn't remember if I ever used it. Sure. During the 2021 Potato Bowl on Tuesday, Kent State offensive lineman Bill Kuduk reportedly puked on the field and was penalized for a false start. The New York Post reported that Kent State offensive lineman was hit with a false start penalty after his vomiting made University of Wyoming defenseman flinch during the second quarter. (laughs) (laughs) Barstool's Big Cat caught the entire situation and posted it on Twitter. Following the game, which we saw Wyoming win 52-38, a Kent State player responded to Big Cat's post by tweeting, Puke and rally. Appreciate the shout-out, Mac Nation. Oh, my God. That's kind of funny. Yeah, that's funny. All right, that was one of the first things we learned in football <laughs> practice was what a false start was. Now, obviously, I knew what a false start was, but one of the things the coaches said, they said, you get in your set stance, you'd better not sneeze, because if you sneeze, it's going to be a false start. <laughs> obviously, puking right. falls along the same parameters. It's just hilarious, though. That's some pretty good shit. Anyway. Anyways, is that all you got for news? That's all I got. Any interesting facts today? I don't think so. Perfect. On to the main topic. What is our main topic, Pat? Ben, this is going to be your episode. Oh, God. What is our main topic today, sir? Con artists. Yes, con artists. Artists of confidence. 
I think that's where the con comes from, is confidence. I can see it. So, con artists. Yes, we've kind of sort of discussed this topic in bits and pieces before. Sure. Uh, kind of like, basically whenever we talked about people, we've kind of had a con artist in the mix in some form or fashion. I think um, we had an episode like Smartest Criminals. Yeah, that's honestly a pretty, pretty good close. Epi- pretty good episode. Yeah, but pretty, it's a comparison. It's in mean, the same ballpark. Sure. And even like Elizabeth Holmes would be a con artist in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And then early on we did that historical people episode H.H. Yep. H. Holmes yep. I consider him a con artist more than a murderer Definitely. even though he did both and he's more remembered for his serial killing right he was primarily a con artist just kind of killed on the side as far as I'm concerned I agree so we've done this kind of topic a little bit before but so we're going to be talking about con artists do you want to get started or do you want me to get started with this one how many do you have I've got I'm going to do three different breakdowns well probably only two maybe two and a half okay I have three I'll tell you what I'll get this one started so th- this first one's going to be a little bit different sure all right now my first con artist isn't a person okay really it's a institution okay that i think has been conning the united states since 1913 okay and this is the united states federal reserve <laughs> i have a feeling that's what it was <laughs> now, i've talked about this a little bit before the federal reserve is the most powerful central bank in the world pretty much mm-hmm. and nobody knows how it operates <laughs> I don't even think most people that work for the Federal Reserve have any idea what the hell is going on. Sure. I don't even think, like, the Board of Governors, some of them don't really know. They don't really understand the concept of what's going on. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I learned about. I wasn't really aware. Like, I knew that it existed. I always thought it was just the thing that made the money. Printed money was what I thought the Federal Reserve was growing up. Mm -hmm. I wasn't aware of it, like, fundamentally until I got into college when I started taking economics classes. But even in college, professors really couldn't answer the questions of why does the Federal Reserve have this kind of authority? Because the Federal Reserve despite the fact that it is a central bank in the United States, is not really part of the government. Think about that for a second. The central bank of the United States is not really part of the government. Mm. It was created by an act of Congress, yes. And the board of governors are appointed, and I think there's like seven people on the board of governors or whatever, are appointed by the president. But they never get, they never get like challenged or vetoed. Sure. And the chair is also appointed by the president. But the Federal Reserve itself is made up of 12 smaller banks that are regional throughout the United States. You got one in New York, which is the big one, which right. gets privileges beyond what all the other regional banks get. And then you've got one in Cleveland. You got a couple in Missouri. I don't know why Missouri has two different. <laughs> they got one in Kansas City and one in St. Louis. And San Francisco's got one and mm. across the country, basically. Now, these 12 regional banks are owned by member banks within their region. For example, City and, well, I don't know if it's still City, but whatever the City city Bank or National City, I don't know what the hell it is now. Because they keep, they keep changing and merging. Sure. And J.P. Morgan Chase, which I don't even know what that's called these days. It was Chase Manhattan, I think, for a while. You never know what, the, what these banks are actually called because they keep merging and changing their names, basically. Sure. But the two of them owned like 53% of the New York Federal Reserve Bank. Mm-hmm. And those banks are in turn owned by private investors. Anybody can buy stock in those banks, basically. Sure. But all, most of the stock is held by certain families. Obviously, the New York are mostly Upper East Side rich New York families. Right. So the Federal Reserve is comprised of these 12 banks that are owned by different banks within their area that are owned by private people. But the Federal Reserve gets to print money at their leisure, get to actually print dollar bills. <laughs> now, 
a lot of people are like, well, banks do that. And they kind of do to an extent because say I were to open up a bank account at your bank that you just started. You could loan that money out. You could take, I could give you a hundred dollars on my bank account ledger. that says I have a hundred dollars, but you can immediately turn around and loan that wherever you want to. Sure. So technically, even though I have a hundred dollars, I don't really have it. Sure. You owe it to me. That's what your bank account is. It's not money that you have, even though people act like it's money that you have. Right. Because it is so liquid. It is technically money that the bank owes you. Right. If you were to show up. So all of a sudden, even though I feel like I have $100, I just deposited it in your bank. You just loaned it out. All of a sudden, that $100 became mm-hmm. $200. You see mm-hmm. how that works? Sure. So now, where the Federal Reserve gets ridiculous is, number one, it can print money. Number two, it loans money to the United States Treasury. So it can print dollars, loan those dollars to the United States Treasury, and charge interest back on the repayment of those dollars. So all of a sudden, it could have, let's say it has no dollars. It could print $100. That is legal tender. Give that to the United States government because the United States government can't function without Federal Reserve loans. Right. And then get back $102 in a year or whatever the interest rate would be. Sure. Now, the Federal Reserve claims that it is its goal is to maximize employment, stabilize prices, and control basically the long-term interest rates within the country. Maximize employment and stabilize prices are, is the dual mandate of the Federal Reserve. It's not doing a very good job of no, any of this. No. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is they said that, well, it was created in response to a bunch of financial panics, like the financial panic in 1907, where a bunch of banks got run on and they collapsed because people got nervous about the stability of a bank, so they all went to the bank to get their money. If everybody showed up to the bank to take out their deposits, the bank's not going to have any money to cover withdrawals right. and they're going to collapse. So they say that the Federal Reserve was created to alleviate the threat of this and also to ensure that there weren't, weren't going to be financial panics in the future. Well, we've had many of uh, financial panics. We've had the Great Depression <laughs> since the creation of the Federal Reserve and even the Great Recession of 2008. Yeah. Where was the Federal Reserve at then? Now, what's also interesting, too, is there was a time where the Federal Reserve was getting criticized pretty heavily by the mainstream media. Even back in 2008 with the whole Lehman Brothers thing, it was like, how are you allowed, how's the Federal Reserve doing its job if the Lehman Brothers crashed based on shenanigan economics, basically? Mm-hmm. How do you, number one, let them do this? And how do you fuck up everything else in the meantime? <laughs> and these days, nobody talks about it. Nobody even challenges the Federal Reserve. Yeah, because all they want to do is spend money. Exactly. It is absurd how all this, all, how all this shit fit, fits together. And there are people that have like economics degrees that walk around and they're like, if you're not a slave to one of these banks or these institutions, you can't take the Federal Reserve seriously because it's just it's shenanigan economics is what they govern themselves with, basically. Mm-hmm. What gets even more ridiculous is our current Treasury Secretary. Do you know who our current Secretary of the Treasury is? Uh, she's a woman. She, yes. What the hell is I, she's on my shit all the time. Janet Yellen. Yes, Janet Yellen. And Janet Yellen was a name I first learned in college because she was the chairwoman of the Federal Reserve back when I was taking most of my, my economic classes. So the chairwoman of the Federal Reserve, the former chairwoman, who was in charge in no small part to buying either buying debt or loaning money to the federal government. Usually they buy up treasury bonds, but they do also do other transactions of note. Three years later becomes the treasury secretary. How is that not a conflict of interest? How is there any, nobody questions this. And the same thing happened with Timothy, Timothy Geither, who was one of Obama's secretary of the treasuries. Yeah. He was the president of the New York Federal Reserve Bank. 
prior to becoming the treasury secretary. Right. How is that not some level of a conflict, conflict of interest? 100% is. So now obviously you have to do your own research on this type of thing, but I just, I don't, number one, people don't understand any of this. And to our credit, look at our education system. Does anybody talk about this type of thing? No. I took four different economics classes in college from varying from like intra level to like moderate stuff. And professors can't even explain this shit. They can't explain the federal reserve outside of the fact that this is what it does. This is what you got to deal with. If you got to think about the federal reserve, yada, mm. yada, yada, it's shenanigans. It's a hundred percent nonsense economics. And then what really got me interested was we've been doing all these uh, discussions about these ridiculous IRS tax laws that are starting to come out. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden with Janet Yellen running the treasury department, all of a sudden the IRS is coming up with these ridiculous new $600 yeah, no report. Any transaction over $600, needs to be reported to the IRS. And they want to add 78,000 employees. I wonder why. And again, we talked about who does that hurt? It hurts us. The middle class. Of course. The working class. So I think that's a con. I feel like the Federal Reserve was created by con artists. And if you look at the history of it, it's, it is really shady. I mean, it's basically created so they can have the money to fund everything they want to push in government. It's basically what, it, what it's there for. Yeah, and it's, it's also there to protect bad bankers doing bad things, basically. Mm. Because obviously you could argue the relevancy of banking in terms of an economic simulator, but unchecked banking is a bad thing. Sure. And the problem with the Federal Reserve is there is no oversight here <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> the Federal Reserve decides to do something, the president can't do a goddamn thing about it. It seems like it's designed that way. It is 100% designed <laughs> that way. <laughs> And J.P. Morgan was the biggest motivator in creating the whole thing in the sure. first place. So, I don't know. And I, like I say, do your own research. But I was trying to research this. I, I couldn't find articles that I had six months ago. Well, hell, J.P. Morgan bailed out the federal government. And the hell was it? <clears throat> was it even J.P. Morgan? Or am I thinking of Rockefeller? One of them did. I can't remember when, though. It would have been had in, like, the 19-teens, if not earlier. Yeah. But what's really interesting, real quick, is in 2021, everybody assumes that China is the biggest creditor to the United States. But China only owes owns $1.1 trillion worth of the U.S. debt. The Federal Reserve owns $5.3 trillion of the United <laughs> States debt right now. Jesus. So people are pointing their finger at China, and yeah, it's a problem. Right. Well, let's start with dealing with the Federal Reserve first. The central bank in the United States that owns, I think that would be like over 20% of the national debt. So how do what do we do to, to, to stop this madness? I mean, what do you, you got to do at this point? Number one, you have to start in grade school economics. <laughs> economics needs to be taught in like kindergarten. I'm not even joking. (laughs) It needs to start small with the barter system and work its way up. But it needs to be hammered in. Sure. I would do. I would get rid of half the algebra that's going on in math class and replace it with economics and basic finance. Sure. And I think that would help a lot. Number two, live within your means and control as much as you can about your daily lives. Obviously, that doesn't solve every problem, but the less in debt you go into wasting money, the tougher it is for a bank to control you. Sure. And th- these aren't perfect solutions, but to you, start. Can't, you can't just say, all oh, the systems fuck and do whatever the hell you want because you're just enslaving yourself into the future. Sure. If you have take a little bit of personal responsibility today with an idea of the tomorrow, you're going to have more power against these institutions long term. Sure. If more people do that, it's tougher for them to put together. It's tougher for them to hold hostages. Now, there's always going to be people that are just not going to go along with this. They're going to be stuck. Sure. But it starts with awareness and it's not always occupying Wall Street that's a solution to the problem. It's making yourself strong enough to be a force that can be relevant. Because mm-hmm. sitting around doing sit-down protests doesn't really do anything. It just kind of wastes your time. Even if you think you're making a standard, you're pointing your finger in the right direction. You got you to actually do stuff that matters. You know what I mean? Right. And it starts with understanding basic personal finance, and then you build up from there. Right. Anyways, we'll see if any of that makes it into the show. That was, a lot of, that was a lot of good information from Pat there. 
Anyways, I'm sorry. That was a complete waste of time. But let's get into your next one. No, you're good. So, con artists. Yes. My first one. Have you ever heard of the Fox Sisters? No, I have not heard of the Fox Sisters. The Fox Sisters. So, you you know of the term modern spiritualism and yes. mediums and stuff like this. The New Age. All that was basically started by three sisters. Okay. As a con, as a little prank. That's hilarious. Right. And it's pretty incredible. So, our story starts early March of 1848 in New York. So, you have, we're going to start off, there's three sisters total, but we're going to start off with the first two. Okay. So, Maggie and Catherine Fox. Maggie is 14. Catherine is 11. They devised a prank against her parents that spirits were communicating with them inside their home. Sure. Right. And so one of the sisters, this is kind of weird. So one of the sisters discovered that she can crack her toe joints using a muscle in her leg. So basically she could use, she could somehow use a muscle in her leg to where she can make the joints crack in her toes without even <laughs> moving her toes. Okay. Okay. It's, it's really weird, I... but this is how it's all described. Okay. She teaches her sister how to do this as well, her other sister, and they become so good at it. Anytime they're home alone, they would practice, right? And they devised this prank against their parents that the house was haunted. And they would use these this sound. They called it a rap, rapping sound. Sure. And they used this noise to create, like, a spirit in the house. And they were so good at it that they can, like, do it to where it can be really soft or really loud. And the noise is really weird. It, like, just kind of emanates the room. It almost kind of like it, it's just they can make it really loud. Okay. Okay, if this makes any sense. <laughs> Isn't this what the kids were doing at the Amityville house? No, I don't know. Okay. But anyways. <laughs> anyways, so in those days, a lot of times, families all slept in the same room. So you had the two sisters on one bed, and then you had um, the mother, Margaret, and their, and their dad, the husband, on another bed, right? Sure. And they would make these sounds at night at the same time, and it was driving the mom crazy. It was driving Margaret crazy. She could not understand where these noises were coming from. And they would do like these things where the daughters, Maggie and, Kat and Kate, were communicating with this spirit. And they literally convinced their mother and the dad that they were communicating with these spirits. They would ask the spirits to um, make a noise like five times and it would make these weird rapping noises five times and it would ask them questions and the spirits would always answer that's pretty good yeah and they they're apparently they're very convincing at it so one at one point the the mom got so crazed out by it that she had to get a, a separate opinion on these noises that she was hearing so she, uh, her her and her husband get the neighbor her name's mary she sure. comes she comes over and then you know the daughters are acting all scared you know they're completely playing this out and they've been doing this for like a month at this point it's march 31st they started this in the beginning of march okay. so they've been making these noises at night for over a month for, for about a <laughs> month now and they completely convinced the neighbor as well the neighbor can't believe she cannot understand where these noises are coming from how and they do their demonstration where the mom was like how old is the neighbor and they made 33 oh, noises <laughs> with their toes and the, the the neighbor was 33 years old so they totally had the neighbor convinced now and, real quick sure with that one that shenanigans because they could just keep clicking and yes. then when he gets to 33 <laughs> like oh my god they got it right <laughs> yeah <laughs> they could just been clicking forever <laughs> well i think they knew because they they like they knew their neighbor, but even if they didn't know, yeah, even if they didn't know, <laughs> that's so true. Anyways, I'm it's, sorry. No, you're good. It's ridiculous. So before long, uh, after the prank of the neighbor Mary, half the block started showing up. Like the whole neighborhood started showing up to hear these spirits. Sure. They even created a backstory as to who the um. <laughs> 
as to who the uh, spirit was. And they created, they like concocted this story of like some type of traveler that died <laughs> like five years ago and it's buried in the basement. And um, a bunch of people from the block ended up actually started digging and they actually found hair and bones <laughs> underneath. <laughs> so like by straight chance, they found hair and bone. Oh my God. Now it's unclear who in the hell that, that was. I don't know if the girls planted it there or not. I never really found that information. Understood. Out. Yeah. So eventually like this got pretty public around the area. Like a lot of people are knowing about it. People are showing up at the house to hear these spirits. Sure. So the mother wanted to get the girls away from all that. So this is where the other sister comes in her. Um, so they send Maggie and Kate to her, their older sister, Leah's house. So she's like 35. She has her own kids. She's divorced. Okay. Now Leah grilled her sisters about the hauntings. Sure. She's like, what is this? How is this even happening? Yada, yada, yada. Eventually, they told her about the prank, but she ended up embracing the prank, thinking that it could create like a new type of religion and protect and potentially make a lot of money. Because at this time, a lot of religious reform was coming about at this time. Mormonism had like just been started. So this would have been 18... It's 1848. 40? Okay, yep. So a lot of religious shit is going on, and people were looking for spirituality and looking for different things a at lot, this time. A lot of these cons happened in the 19th century. It was like... Yeah. Yeah. For, <laughs> yeah. for goofy nonsense. And more, not just them, like there are other like seers and stuff that come about at this time. Sure. But, um, so word spread quickly throughout Rochester because they moved to Rochester, New York, where Leah lived. And, uh, so word quickly spread throughout Rochester and the surrounding region that the Fox sisters can communicate with spirits. Leah would soon invite strangers into her house and they would perform these seances and have the sisters communicate with spirits. Oh my God. And they had a table they would like have it levitate a little bit and they would have people answer their questions and they would do the clicking with their feet and shit answering questions for these people that would come in now over the next year and a half they continued their show they made money from tips and whatnot because they weren't charging anybody to come do these seances makes sense but publicity always leads to criticism and whatnot. And there were a lot of critics out there saying that they were like witches or that they were just phony. They were frauds. Somehow they're coming up with this bullshit. So Leah and Maggie decided that they were going to show and like hold up their reputation that what they were doing was real. Sure. They were going to do a public event and they were going to charge for their first time. They were going to charge money for people to come to this event at Corinthian Hall. Now, apparently Kate was out of town doing a seance. Which is ridiculous because at this point, I think it's uh, 1849, I think. So she's only like 12 or 13. <laughs> so this little girl's going out of town by herself and doing these things. I don't really know that situation. Okay. But apparently she was out of town. So it was just Maggie and Leah doing this demonstration. Sure. And they got 400 people to show up to this Corinthian Hall. And they started doing their demonstration. And they were just completely enthralled with how this was, what was happening. But the skeptics were not having it. They were like, we want answers. We got, you know, we, we want to know what the hell is going on. Sure. So the sisters agreed to like a private seance with a group of skeptics that was picked by the crowd hey. so they can like investigate their seance and what they were doing. Gotcha. So the next morning they picked a different hall and like these, I think they picked like five people out of the crowd to investigate and they did their seance and they looked at every nook and cranny 
in the room. They looked at their clothing. They would like get under the table and they were like, oh, look, it's coming from under the table. And he put his hand on one of the girl's feet, but they, they didn't feel anything move or anything like that. So they were like, okay, it's not coming from their feet. So the next day <laughs> they all gathered in Corinthian Hall again. And the people that were picked to investigate had to say, we didn't find anything. And they were pissed. So they did another investigation. They found five other new people to do another private seance and the the sisters agreed to do it and they couldn't find anything either so they gathered in corinthian hall for a third time to sh- to tell everybody that they didn't find anything and then they were still pissed again and they found a group of all women to investigate <laughs> them and this was actually a really rigorous investigation they had the sisters like stripped down naked and oh, shit Lord. like it was terrible and they felt really humiliated but they couldn't find anything after that so they they literally gathered up at corinthian hall four times four days in a row just to say that they couldn't find anything it that was all it was all that was clicking clicking was, their toe literally <laughs> They couldn't figure out where this noise was coming from. That's dedication, I guess. Right. So eventually they were saying that they were acquitted, even though the skeptics were still skeptical. And um, so they ended up becoming more popular and started doing seances all around the freaking country. And they started getting millions of followers. And these followers, and they would call them mediums. That's where the term kind of comes from. Gotcha. And some of the followers would be claimed to be mediums as well. And they started all acting, you know, like this was a real deal and everything like that. But um, after a while, I'm not to go off the top of my head at this point. So for a number for a number of years, they continue to do this. They travel the country. They make all kinds of money doing sure. this shit. But Maggie, she's like at the point where she turns like 19, 20, she starts to be like, all right, I kind of want to have more of a domestic life. Kind of want to get married, maybe you know, have a different job, yada yada yada. And she ends up meeting this guy, and they correspond after a while because she traveled so much. Yep. And he wanted her to marry him, but over a couple stipulations, she has to leave the life that she's in right now. Leave that that spiritualism because he didn't believe in that shit and neither did his family and you have to go to school and I'll fund it because this guy was rich he was an author he was an explorer so she ends up saying yes I'll do that and he goes on this big exploration yada 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 and then he comes back they get married but he ends up dying shortly after and she goes deep into alcoholism Maggie of course she does she goes deep into alcoholism and um, she ends up renouncing the modern spiritualism and she comes out and she basically tells everyone that it was all a fake it was all just I'm clicking yeah. her toes the entire time. <laughs> she literally got on stage and demonstrated with her leg. Oh my! What God. she was doing? Yeah, she ended up. And Leah, the, the older sp- the Leah, the older sister, ended up like getting married to a rich guy. But like the fraud never affected her. She just continued doing seances <laughs> in her home, and she lived like a normal life. The two younger sisters, uh, Kate, ended up being an alcoholic as well. Oh boy! And what's funny is Maggie, after she renounced it and said it was all a fraud, she went back to doing seances. <laughs> <laughs> for like another year or two but then she ended, they, she ended up dying in her 50s and so did Kate because they all died from like kidney failure and shit from drinking oh yeah Leah ended up living the longest she ended up living to like her 70s wow yeah basically the whole medium shit started with the Fox sisters well that one's ridiculous I'm sorry I kind of took a minute but that was I haven't heard that one before so that was a pretty there's a lot more to the story you can look it up I got most of my information on that from a really good episode from podcast from Parcast. Sure. Uh, called Con Artists. It's actually their last episode they ever did. Interesting. And uh, Smithsonian Magazine has a good article on the Fox Sisters as well. Perfect. Now, is that all you got with that one? Yeah, you can go ahead. I'm only going to do one more. We are Sorry. Really I know. No. It took forever. <laughs> I, I knew it was a long one. I had to try to get all of it in. Now, this 
actually a guy that I haven't heard about until I started researching this one yesterday when we finally decided what the topic was. Um, this is a guy. Now, this is, he's a con artist, yes, but I feel like this guy is more of just an interesting historical figure who is also kind of doing cons on the side, basically. Sure. This is a 19th century Scotsman named Gregor McGregor. I have this guy, God too. Okay. <laughs> you can do him, though. No, well, we can both do him real quick. It's not going to take too long. My, I got a whole article that I took from historicuk.com. I saw that article, too. And specifically, the author on this one was Jessica Brain. And this was a good breakdown. And if you want to research this guy, this is where I'd start. It's this historicuk.com mm-hmm. and Jessica Brain's article. This dude is off the wall. <laughs> This dude is ridiculous. So, 19th century. I think he was born in 1786, but he did most of his work in the 19th century. Gregor McGregor. This guy has the most unbelievable military career I think I've ever read. <laughs> yeah, so he jumped. He was a Scotsman. Now, Clan McGregor is what the clan that he hails from. Is a warrior clan. These are some hard asses. They fight. That's what they do in Clan McGregor. Mm-hmm. They also make some really shitty bottom shelf scotch. Mm. that I hate to admit I've had some experiences with, most ending in vomit. Like the like the Kent State lineman. Yes. <laughs> no, this is like $12, $12 for the big handle. It's some cheap ass. That's some rough like, shit right paint, there. Paint thinner <laughs> scotch right there. Sure. Now, that's probably why probably why they have to make the shitty scotch now is because of this guy. Right. So this guy, he ended up joining the British military at age 16, which I guess was a pretty common thing back then. Mm-hmm. And he was pretty good. He was a pretty good soldier. Like He yeah, was getting he promoted was. quickly. Now, he was buying his way into some of these ranks because apparently you could buy ranks to get promoted quicker basically you could pay a few hundred pounds here a few hundred pounds there <laughs> to get like he apparently he ended up becoming like a captain yeah he, he paid like 900 pounds to become a captain jesus now he was doing this all in like his early 20s at the latest because he he was getting promoted like based on merit but he was also getting promoted because he was paying his way through a little bit sure now apparently as an officer people hated him because he was obsessed with like the formalities of military life like he would insist that everybody under his command wear their full dressing uniform the entire time <laughs> with all, all their medals out and whatnot uh, I don't know if you saw any of that shit in your research. I don't think so. I don't think but he was that. he was obsessed with the formalities and the titles and the and he would give himself titles that he didn't have any claim to at all. Right. So you want to get into him a little bit more? No, you, you can keep going. Okay. So he ended up getting married in June of 1805, which he would have only been 19 at this time, mm-hmm. to a woman named Maria Bowwater, who was basically I think she was a daughter of a, uh, a Navy admiral, yeah. but she was pretty well connected. She had some money. Had uh. Some inheritance coming her way, ideally. She was a she was like the source of income for them. Yes, because he was a good soldier, and if he wasn't a good soldier, he was kind of like remember Timothy Dexter that you talked about, uh, the guy that faked his own death. Yeah, that's who this guy kind of reminded me of at first. Because <laughs> if he wasn't a good, if he wasn't fighting, he was trying to ingratiate himself in the high society. Yes. Now this is like a fucking clansman. Like he was speaking Gaelic until <laughs> I'm not even joking about it. He was speaking Gaelic until he started going to an English speaking school. So this is a kilts wearing bagpipe playing sure scotch drinking type of guy kind of like the former punter for the browns jamie gillen <laughs> the scottish hammer but like peter griffin's real dad yeah so he ended up serving until 1809 i think and he ended up becoming a major yeah at age like like 23 or something which is ridiculous and he was a really pretty decent uh a decent officer and he ended up somehow he ended up getting into it with a senior officer or something small it's probably something to do with his fucking dress uniform or something sure and it just got completely thrown out of proportion because this guy was an obnoxious character and he was always trying to he always had shenanigans going on they weren't like really high level 
Khan. So there's just stuff going on with him. Right. If it wasn't in the military, it was with him and his wife and trying to just finagle his way into more wealth and more power, basically. Mm-hmm. But it got to the point where his debate with this officer ended up, he ended up having to resign because he couldn't, he just couldn't serve in the military anymore <laughs> after the shit that went down in this, whatever the hell happened. So in 1810, he busted out of the military. So he went home to his wife, but then she died in 1811. Yep. And that cut off the income stream because apparently her parents weren't going to pay for the widower of right. the woman. So it was like, well, shit, what do I do now? The option was go back to scotland and run the family farm or come up with something else and he came up with something else he needed to live that life he needed to live that high life so he ended up somehow and i don't even think he actually met this guy at first he ended up hearing about general francisco de miranda Mm -hmm. who was a central and south american revolutionary back when those central and mostly south american countries were rebelling against the spanish empire who still held most of central and south america up until this point and even Florida. Yeah. So basically this Francisco de Miranda guy showed up in London. I don't think Gregor McGregor met this guy (laughs) in London. I think he just like heard about him and was like, hey, you know. He definitely met him in South America, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Hey, you know, this guy, the South American rebel, people seem to like him. I wonder if I can work an angle here somehow. So his idea was to sell the family farm and go to South America and just kind of see what was going to (laughs) happen. Now, meanwhile, what ended up saving his ass was he was part of the 57th Foot Regiment, which was a part of the British military, a part of the British Army, actually. And they ended up in some ridiculously well-publicized battles where they were kind of badasses and they became known as the diehards diehards yeah that was their nickname now this was after gregor mcgregor left the 57th <laughs> regiment but he decided to sail to south america and he was basically hoping that somehow he could make it seem like he was going to be an asset to the revolutionary <laughs> cause basically is what he was doing he's smart though honestly yeah i mean back in the 19th century when you can't fact check anything he just had to sell the idea that he was going to be a help Right. He, was, he had to sell the fact that he was some, like, fancy officer or something that was going to matter. So he started giving himself different titles. He would kind of, like, come up with an idea of, okay, well, if I'm part of the Portugal Order of Christ and I'm Sir Gregor McGregor, <laughs> that's going to mean more right. in Latin America where they're all Catholic than it might otherwise in different places, yada, yada, yada. Sure. So he ends up going to, first he goes to Jamaica. And he didn't, it just didn't, it didn't happen there. That wasn't really where he, where he was planning on going, mm-hmm. but he ended up in King's. Kingston, I think it's Kingston, Kingstone, whatever the capital of Jamaica is. Not sure. And he was just kind of like there. He wasn't really going to stay there, but he was just like, well, I might as well try my luck in high society in Jamaica and see how I do. <laughs> he didn't do well. So he ended up going to Venezuela, mm-hmm. which is where he got his big break. Right. Because he shows up and he's like, I am Sir Gregor McGregor of the 57th Regiment, or the 57th Regiment of Foot or whatever the fuck they were. And the guy there, I don't know if, I think it was Miranda who ended up meeting was. him. Like, oh, the diehards. Yeah, he knew about the diehards. He's like, McGregor's like, diehards? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm one of the diehards, basically. Yeah. And pretty quickly, they made him a colonel and put him in charge of a cavalry battalion. Like, pretty quickly. He he goes up the pole quickly. So, (laughs) he just shows up, declares himself as an officer. (laughs) 
they were like, this is the guy that we've been waiting for. <laughs> and he was, to be fair, he wasn't a bad military officer. Like, if he would have put all his energy into being a military officer, he would have been pretty good because he could win battles. And when he lost, he was good at making sure that it didn't sound nearly as bad as they were, even though a lot of these battles were pretty bad. And he ended up, like, like his first thing that he commanded, he ended up kicking ass. Then after that, he wasn't doing really as good, but he won so much glory in the first ass-kicking. And they were, like, these, <laughs> these Latin American revolutionaries were like, man, you know, those fucking Scotsmen commander that we got is pretty he's a pretty good highly visible focal point of our attack basically <laughs> so he ends up, i don't know why this is like one of the funniest stories that i've ever read in my life pretty funny he ends up marrying the cousin of simon bolivar who's like the famous uh revolutionary organizer of that time in 19th century mm-hmm. and you gotta bear in mind venezuela was rebelling uh bolivia was rebelling colombia was rebelling even some of the central america companies countries were rebelling and a lot of these revolutionaries were like moving between countries trying to get everything any fight against the spanish empire they're kind of allied in that sure whatever so they keep promoting him and they ended up like making him like a general i think at one point and then they sent him they kind of like kicked ass and they kind of drove the spanish out of south america at least so then they went to florida for a while and he was banging around in florida just kind of he he had a couple of good victories in florida then he declared that the republic of florida he just declared the republic of florida or something like he claimed <laughs> that he conquered it or sure well, whatever and then he ends up going to nicaragua which is where the con starts mm-hmm. because in nicaragua he met some tribal people on what's called the mosquito coast yep which is like just like a jungle inhospitable coastline basically there's just some yeah. tribes that live there <laughs> there's nothing there basically and somehow he convinced these people to sell him just a, basically a plot of land well um, it, it was gifted to him i think yeah well he convinced them just to give just it to, to him, give it to him basically so he at, at this point he's basically like a venezuelan hero yes not and he, he was... is still to this day which is hilarious <laughs> after everything that happens he's, yeah. he's still a hero to this day and the help of liberating venezuela from the fucking spanish sure and he was gifted a large area of land in the bay of honduras uh, he was gifted by king george frederick augustus of the mosquito coast now i'm pretty sure that's who he said it was gifted by. yeah I we think, don't we don't know if that guy is actually real or i think not. it was just some like tribal <laughs> chieftain <laughs> yeah he just like called him that i think yeah and this area in which he was gifted he claimed to be the ruler of this new country called Poye, I think it's Poye. Poye, yeah, I think the S is silent. P O Y A I S. Yeah, Poye. Yeah, I think it's Poye. Okay, we'll go Poye. Now, after he was gifted this, he actually goes back to London so he can get investors to buy stakes into this new country. Now, he told these people that this is a wonderful country, like it's basically paradise, full of natural resources, full of fertile land. He he described that it's so easy to like grow shit here that like it hardly takes any manual labor to live <laughs> like he 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 said you can make food in like a day's work and feed you for like a month yeah he was not like, quite that not quite that extreme but he was like the climate's so good that you can grow maize like three times yeah. a year you have three different <laughs> harvests a year Literally. And he even created like a 300-page guidebook to Poye. And he swindled people for like 200,000 pounds and even convinced some people to exchange their own currency for a bank of Poye notes. (laughs) 
So basically, yeah. And out of that, he was looking for investors and he was looking for colonists, basically, yeah, to go for, over to, there and, and settle to settle it, yes. to become members of the citizens of this country or whatever. Yeah. So basically, you had to give him money to invest in it, and you had to give him money to pay for your voyage. And and apparently, he only printed like seventy thousand of these notes. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine being the printer that got this job because someone had to have right. been doing this right <laughs> like and it's like a it looks like a like if you ever if you see a picture of these notes like it looks like fucking currency like i want to collect one yeah and um yeah so the people that unfortunately set to sail for poye uh when they got there they didn't seem there wasn't much there yeah <laughs> there was nothing there there was nothing there was nothing there. It was. It's a now, mind you. This place is completely uninhabitable. You cannot live there. Jungle. And it's jungle. Mos- I'm assuming the mosquito coast. Maybe there's some insects. Yeah, and a lot of them ended up dying from malaria. Sure. Now some of them were rescued, and when um, I think the, the the British Navy, Royal Navy, got wind of what was going on, they actually like sent ships out to stop the the rest of the ships from reaching the yeah reaching the, the, the because coast. Because what was ridiculous. <laughs> Is, is he knew that there was nothing there, and he shipped people and out he there. He shipped anyways. people out there, anyways. And he did this twice. He sent two different boats out there. Yes. And then they people some, somehow made it back to London, and were like, "Hey, this guy's a fucking fraud. This fucking Gregor McGregor guy." And the people in London actually <laughs> defended him. Yeah, they and did. And he just kind of slipped away to France. Yep, he went to France and he started doing the same shit. He did shit the same thing again. Now, the French, they, they caught on to it a little bit, but they ended up getting, he ended up making more money in France from it all. Yeah, and somehow he did get charged with fraud. Well, he yeah he did, didn't he? Yeah, but he like he got off somehow. <laughs> well, what what happened was he ended up getting some other guy convicted of all the yeah, charges, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he pulled off this whole scheme. He ended up making thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds and he was shipping people off to nicaragua (laughs) (laughs) it's unbelievable at the end of the story after all else failed he went back to london and was trying he tried to get a couple of different cons going it was never nearly as big as anything like that something nearly as notable and then he ended up retiring back to venezuela where he was welcomed back as a hero and, and where he died a hero. Now, what I read, which is absolutely hilarious, that Miranda guy. Yes. Apparently, like, they brought him back into, like, the army or whatever. Doesn't surprise me. And they ended up giving him a pension. <laughs> <laughs> so he was getting paid, like, the well, rest of his life. That was the thing. It's like, the one the one battle, it was a retreat. It wasn't even a battle. They, yeah. His, his, his troops were just retreating. Yeah. And they were like, that was the most valiant retreat that we have ever seen, <laughs> Gregor McGregor. Didn't matter what this guy did. They fucking loved him Dude, out there. This guy got away with it. This guy got away with it. But it's funny because he was trying to get in the high society in, in London or in Britain and it didn't work. Like he married the right person, but it just didn't work. Right. He ends up going to Latin America and has the same exact thing happen, except he's getting the opposite result. He's getting everything that he ever wanted. <laughs> Once he went to Venezuela, unbelievable. This was one of the best stories that it I've was. ever read. It was and really good. We didn't do we didn't do the story justice. So if you're interested in this Gregor McGregor guy, please check this out on various internet websites. Uh, mine, like I said, was HistoryUK.com and Jessica Brain's article. Yeah, if you go on YouTube 
and you just type in his name, there's a really good, like, 15-minute, like, quick little documentary on his life. Okay, I'm going to have to watch it. I didn't watch it's any pretty, videos on this it's pretty. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I feel like there could be, like, a history. I want to do, like, a history. You could make a movie Documentary about series or something. Like, you could do, like, a six-part story on this guy. Yeah, definitely. And it would be hilarious. <laughs> Anyways, like I said, we didn't do that one justice, but I feel like that was a great. We had to talk about yeah. this guy. Gregor McGregor. I mean, his, his name is just funny. I love his name. I used to call Tim Gregor a lot. Like, that was my nickname for him, Gregor. I think I I remember that yeah yeah it was one of my nicknames for tim so anyways what else you got do you have any more you want to get in this week well if you think we're running too far next week we could do like part two we could it's up to you yeah you know why don't we try to do that you want to do that we're getting kind of 6 30 yeah it's, it's getting late i just got things i gotta do before i go to bed so yeah how about we do a part two and then maybe we could add like two three more yeah we'll next see episode so this will be con artist part one i guess but that was a good start we don't have to do it next week we could do it another week but yeah know, we could do I, that I just i just figured yeah like it's getting late like it, you know we're running a little we, late we ran way over on time this week anyways on that note uh please tweet us at 30 in law if you have any counter to say you think we should be covering on our part two of this discussion yes this was part one yes i was very happy with the material that i think felt like we brought some really good material i think so too the fox sisters was really interesting that was story. A, one i i think i had to have heard that before but i haven't heard the full breakdown so that was a really interesting one uh obviously gregor mcgregor <laughs> that guy's my new hero <laughs> so please tweet us at 30 in the please check us out on facebook uh please post again i haven't even checked the facebook this week i don't know if we got any posts we, we might have i think we had some engagements this week i feel like we did so that's good engagements are good uh please keep telling all your friends and family to listen to the show if you guys have any topics you guys want us to research and talk about comment on our facebook page yes please comment on our facebook page please tweet us if you have our personal contact info go ahead and shoot us an email shoot us a text Definitely. If you got anything you want us to talk about. Hop in our DMs. Slide in. Slide in. Yes. Anyways, on that note, it's time to get <laughs> out of here. So Peace. Was the first snake to have more than two limbs? <laughs> Other early f- snake fossils had only two. So apparently there have been snakes with two arms or legs or whatever, probably arms. But so a two-legged lizard, basically? Well, no, this is a snake. Well, apparently it's not. It's a lizard. Yeah, so they're just talking about two-legged lizards. Yes, but they're apparently they're classified as snakes because of something. I don't know. But scientists in the Canada... This article says, but scientists in the Canada... <laughs> now, this is directly from the website itself. I didn't transcribe who, who, this. Who the hell wrote this? I don't know. But scientists, <laughs> but scientists in Canada said they doubted the findings from the start. My next one comes from our favorite UPI Odd News. All right. Sea lion. Sorry. God. I was just laughing because every single news story has been about animals so far. <laughs> God. I'm sorry. Now, before we get into it, I got something that you might find funny. I don't know if we want to put this in the actual episode or not. But did you know that back in 1943, uh, during the middle of World War II, obviously, the NFL was still trying to function. But two teams didn't have enough players to field full rosters, so they merged for one season. The Steelers and the Eagles (laughs) were the Steagles 
in nineteen the Steagles. in nineteen forty three. That is absolutely hilarious. That that's making it. Isn't that funny though? The Steagles. The Philadelphia Pittsburgh Steagles. Hey, way to improvise though. I mean way to way to keep it going. And this <laughs> this is gonna have to get cut. But there's a good YouTube video on well on on YouTube. Believe it or not, <laughs> that has like a breakdown year by year of the NFL from like the emergence of professional football to its present day mm-hmm. and all the teams that expanded and contracted and merged and moved. And do they talk about the Toledo Maroons? The Toledo Maroons are on the video. <laughs> yep. I got to use all that. Like, I got to just cut. Sure. Somehow, in, amidst all that, we had a coherent discussion. <laughs> <laughs> but in editing, I'm going to have to figure out. How to make it sound okay? <laughs> Gah!